Um, what we're going to do today, we're going to talk about um, drugs in pediatrics. I think this is a hugely important topic that is very often overlooked. Um, you know, my <coughs> goal uh, for what we're going to talk about today is not for us to prescribe drugs or not prescribe, that's, that's not even the conversation. The conversation is we need to know what these kids are coming in with, right? Because a lot of kids are coming in with a lot of different medications and we need to know what they're taking so that we can appropriately assess what's happening with this particular kid and why they might be on certain you know, medications and stuff. But the first thing I wanna to talk to you about is the opioid epidemic. And you might, I know you're all aware of it, you've heard a million things about it and stuff, but I wanna give you my take uh, on the opioid epidemic, which I think is really important. Um, so we all know the numbers uh, that came out you know, last year and everybody's been talking about it now. You know, it's killing more people now under the age of 50 than heart disease and cancer combined, uh, which is absolutely crazy. How, much, how many people are dying from this? Uh, how much money is being spent? Uh, $504 billion on this crisis. So we all know that that's really important, but a lot of us don't realize this information. And that's this, that um, the opioid-related uh, issue is not just an adult issue. This is a kid's issue too. It's affecting thousands and thousands and thousands of kids every single day. So this is from the March 2018 Journal of Pediatrics, so it's pretty recent uh, stuff. And what I wanna show you is a couple of interesting charts over here as we scroll down here. So first off, <clears throat> this particular <clears throat> chart uh, that's on, and this is, a, this is a free online access thing, so you, you can, anybody can access this. Um, this particular chart shows the demographics of opioid-related hospitalizations. So as you can see during the, the time period that they studied, um, which was 2004, uh, 2007, 2008, 2011, and 2012 to 2015, there was a total of 3,600 uh, cases in the hospitals in critical care units uh, of opioid. And look at this number here. Between ages 1 and 5, there's 1,249. So we're not just talking like teenagers abusing this. Right, we're talking about younger kids. Obviously, these are kids who probably had some very serious surgeries, um, you know, if they're in the hospital. Uh, then there might be some accidental, which this hard, but there's some accidental poisonings because parents have left their stuff out instead of being locked somewhere. But a lot of this may more, uh, for the younger generation, might be, you know, kids with some kind of terminal cancer or leukemia, and they're on high dosages of very strong things. But then if we see over here, it drops down in the 6 to 11 range, but then drastically goes up to 2,000, uh, 223 in the 12 to 17 range. Now this is not the same as this, right? Because where do you think most of these kids from 12 to 17, where do you think most of them are getting these? Right, this is more illicit drug. This is more like they purposely look for their, their parents' uh, stuff. Um, so this is a very, very different demographic when we talk about the older kids versus the younger kids. Of course, there are some of the, the older kids too who have serious operations, et cetera. But I just wanted to show you that. that was, I thought that was kind of interesting. And then this graph I thought was super interesting uh, in this particular article. This article shows the rate of admissions for opioid uh, ingestions per 10,000 hospitalizations. Um, if you look at the overall rate of admission over here, which is this line over here, it stayed pretty much the same from 2004 to 2017. But if you look at this line over here, which is the um, admissions due to uh, opioid use, you see, first off, it was even higher before uh, than the, just the regular, regular reason to get it admitted into the PICU, uh, which is the uh, pediatric ICU. But now it is going higher and higher. Right, so almost every year it has climbed higher and higher and higher. So that is a huge 
just showing, once again, showing the huge dilemma <coughs> that we're dealing with with this. Um, you know, other um, science news talks about the hospital admissions showing the opioid crisis affects kids too. So they're not talking about this, right? When you see all the stuff on the news, it's all about adults and all the stuff, but they're not really mentioning that this is affecting children too, which I think is really a shame. Um, but I think these are great articles, you know, talking about the number of admissions and how it's rising um, and showing, once again, that same you know, article here. But here's something very interesting of why this is so important. I don't know if, how many of you guys are aware of this, but uh, when I was at the Rubicon this, this weekend, uh, Dr. Reekman uh, and Dr. Klum were mentioning this, that there are two different companies, I mean, two different states in the country that have enacted laws that are pro-chiropractic. And one of them is Rhode Island, and I just wanted to read this to you here that I thought was very interesting. Um, it says here, um, patients with substance use disorders shall have access to evidence-based non-opioid treatment for pain. Therefore, coverage shall apply to medically necessary chiropractic care and osteopathic manipulative treatment. So I think that's very interesting. What there's actually, this is legislation in Rhode Island, and there's another state too, I can't remember which other state it was. Um, but legislation in the states saying that chiropractic is recognized as an alternative to opioid treatment. So what they're trying to do, I think, because one of the, uh, Dr. Eaton was talking about one of the legislations, and he was saying something to the effect of what they're trying to do is if they see someone who is having some sort of chronic pain issues, that it is now mandated legislatively that they should see a chiropractor or an osteopath um, to try something conservatively first instead of jumping right to opioids, right? Because pain is, you know, obviously you know pain is one of the biggest uh, things. Uh, I can't remember if it was Dr. Reekman or Dr. Klum or Dr. Scott. One of those guys was talking about how um, pain is the number one disability in the world. The number one disability in the world is pain. Um, and something like, I can't remember if it was 70 or 80% of, uh, of people will report pain significant enough that they need to have some sort of intervention in their life. That's a lot, a lot of people around the world, right? So this, we're not just talking the US, we're talking around the world. But unfortunately in the United States, we're the ones who are taking most of these you know, opioids whereas, as almost like a first or second line after you go from oh, aspirin tunnels and working, all right, let's go right up to the Percocets and you know, all those kind of things. Um, so what this is showing is, is just good for chiropractic, right? Not necessarily that we wanna be pain-based chiropractors, but in my thought, you know, of things, looking at the pediatric, you know, side of this, is, you know, this is just showing that they're already, they're now looking and saying, chiropractic is a viable alternative, right? And I think that's super, super important. So for us to understand that slowly but surely we are making headway, not that we need legislation for people to come to see us, because that shouldn't be our be all and end all, uh, but slowly but surely we're making way in people understanding this kind of stuff. You know, today I happened to, on a side note, I happened to meet um, with a occupational therapist and um, she uh, was talking about chiropractic and she had no idea about what chiropractic can do for children. She had never even heard of it before. She never even talked to another chiropractor before about chiropractic for kids. And I think that's amazing. You know, like they heard about it, they, they kind of hear it, and some of the patients go there and stuff, but they, they have no idea. And what they think of as chiropractic for children is like it's just the same thing for adults, but just dumbing it down. And that's really not what it is at all. You know, chiropractic for kids is something so different and so special 
and so unique. Um, and I think that's an important thing for that we, we as providers and you guys as future providers out in the field need to make sure that you're telling people out there that what you do is not the same. It's not like dumbed down little, you know, smaller chiropractic thrusts for kids. That's not the only difference between, because that's what she, her thought was. Her thought was, well, you do whatever you do to an adult, just less. I'm like, well, you know, that's one way to look at it, but it's actually a whole different ballgame, right? Because we, we adjust them differently. And we, you know, talk to them and, and take care of them functionally you know, with neuro, neurology, neurology exercises. And we look at their diet. So the, the, like the three basic things that I am like harping on you know, this quarter in this class and in the technique class is to understand we are slowly making headway, but it's taking time. But just understand that this opioid epidemic is not something that's just affecting the adults, it's affecting the kids too. And you're gonna see kids who are you know, unfortunately affected by this kind of stuff.